0: Well, good morning and welcome to Millwood Church. What a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord today. Keith, I'm glad you made it, brother. Taylor, good to see you. Boo. Um, Also, thank you to uh, all of the people that came out to support me this morning. Uh, Generally, I do announcements, and I wasn't able to do that this morning. Misty barged right in. Thank you for that, Misty. But uh, it was brought to my attention that... uh, The 11th of November is Veterans Day, and I want to recognize the veterans and the service and the sacrifices that they made. Um, Please keep the veterans in your hearts and in your prayers. Hello, Cooper, (laughs) Uh, on uh, Veterans Day. Glad you guys could come. Um, It's always uh, challenging to come up here and and speak, but... um, I hope that I don't disappoint today. I'll tell you um, the, the title of our message today is very unique. <laughs> but uh, you lie and I'll swear to it. Uh, Pastor Kip asked me to speak a number of weeks back. I always find it interesting and complicated, the road to the pulpit. I've had this message that I've been working on, seems like forever, and the title of that message is Stirred, Not Shaken. That message has never come to completion. As usual, my Creator seems to always have a, a different message for me to deliver. I will say that um, Brian already delivered it. It was about fear, so hey, (laughs) Uh, we can all go home. Uh, I know that God knows my heart, and I know it's funny how the message that He gives me always seems to cause me more self examination than anything else. At times, it can be really difficult to face myself in the mirror after going through the process. Conviction is a very difficult and hard thing to swallow. Testimony usually follows conviction, and I am acutely aware at how powerful testimony can be in the walk of a Christian. There is no denying the power of a seed planted. Not this past week, but the week prior, close friend and I were discussing the troubling times that one of our other friends was walking through in his life. We talked about the length of our relationship and how we had all become much more than friends. We're more like family. We talked about how close that we had become through the good times and through the bad times. And how through our sometimes good, but more often than not, poor decisions that we made uh, and suffering the consequences of those actions and the miracle that we simply survived them. A lot of times we would hide those events either to avoid prosecution (laughs) or just to avoid looking like total idiots. He brought up an often used phrase that I hadn't remembered until that very moment, something that I hadn't heard in years, you lie and I'll swear to it. But we laughed and laughed about that, but later, when I was working on my stirred and not shaken message, I began to question through my time spent in the Word and with God, just what kind of a friend am I? More than that, what kind of friend do I want to be? And even more than that, what does the living word have to say about friendship? I'm not going to point any fingers this morning, but I did share with someone that's here today the basis of my message previous to coming up here. And he said that a real friend would acknowledge that the Cowboys start at noon. So let's wrap it up. That'll bring us to our scripture for today. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes four, nine, and ten. When you found your place, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you have your place, please say Amen. The Bible says two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we're thankful to you for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you find my words pleasing and acceptable to you. I ask that you would give this congregation ears to hear, minds to comprehend what you have given me to share with them today, God, and block out anything that isn't from you. I ask these things in the powerful name of Christ Jesus and all God's people said. As you may have guessed, this week's message will be based on friendship. I believe that God created man to be first in friendship with him and then to be in friendship with others. The Bible is absolutely full of stories of friendships. Jonathan and David, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy, Ruth and Naomi, John and Jesus. Before I go any farther, I want to say that I'm extremely grateful for the friends that I have in my life. I'm painfully aware of how difficult it can be to be a friend to me. I'm thankful the people that God has put into my life and put into my path that have helped me not just become a better person, but hopefully to be a better friend. Brian? If you could do me a favor, please, and turn up my mic just a little bit. Dola's having difficulty hearing me. Thank you, brother. If we skip down two verses from today's text, we will see in Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, it reads, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And, and, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I believe the third part of the braided cord is, without a doubt, God. This scripture reminds me of the story of Moses. As God appeared to him through the burning bush, God told Moses that he wanted him to deliver his people from the hands of the Egyptians. He even showed Moses three miracles to motivate him. But Moses was still hesitant. Exodus four ten through 13 reads, Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my God, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech, and I am slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute? Who makes the deaf? the seeing, or the blind. Have not I the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall say. But Moses said, Lord, please, send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So what does God do? He says, all right, Moses, what about Aaron? Aaron? Aaron speaks well, and he's on his way to see you right now. And when he gets here, he will be glad in his heart to see you. I will teach you both what to do, and we know how the story turns out. They delivered God's people from the Egyptians. God is going to have his way. The point to the story I feel is this, that God will always send us a friend to do the things that we may be afraid to do. He will equip both to accomplish his will, and as long as they're operating in faith, although they may not be perfect, they will nonetheless be undeniable. Our next story is from the book of Ruth. It tells of a man named Elimelech, I think. (laughs) This man was married to Naomi. They had two sons and two daughters-in-law. The sons were named Malan and Chilion, and the daughters-in-law were named Orpah and Ruth. First, the father died, Elimelech and then both of the sons. Naomi was devastated. Life had dealt her a crushing blow. She was left hopeless and feeling that even God had turned against her. In her despair, she told her daughters-in-law to return to their families she felt she had no future to offer them orpa did just that ruth refused ruth clung to naomi ruth 1 16 and 17 tells us but ruth said entreat me not to leave you for wherever you go i will go wherever you lodge i will lodge Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death part us. Ruth was ride or die. She was the best friend you could have. Ruth knew that Naomi was setting out towards Judah with absolutely no promise of prosperity. Ruth could have just gone back to her family, but instead she chose friendship. Ruth willingly entered into an unknown situation with an unknown outcome because of her love for her friend. Proverbs 17 and 17 tells us a brother, in Ruth's case a sister, is born for adversity and that a friend loves at all times. Everybody say all. Ruth boldly proclaimed, if it's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to us. That is true friendship. I believe that true friends will place themselves right in the middle of one another's challenges. They're not going to stay in their safe and comfortable surroundings and be like, oh, I'm going to be praying for you. They're not going to send the prayer hands emoji. They're going to drop what they're doing, and they're going to show up. True friends... We'll walk through the fire with you. I'm ashamed to say that I have failed my friends more than once in this area. I have a really, really close friend that lost a child this past week, their son was 34. My friend reached out to me when he got the news. It was evident that he wasn't able to talk about it at the time. So, just before we got off the phone, I asked for his wife's cell phone number. I prayed for that family. I asked God to give me the words. I asked repeatedly. I got nothing. I finally reached out days later and I didn't get an answer. I simply left them a message. I said how sorry I was. I left a message telling them both that I loved them. I left a message acknowledging their devastation. But as a friend, I failed. I didn't show up. I'll forever regret that. Truth is, there weren't any words that I could have offered, and I believe that's why I didn't hear any. Sometimes you just got to show up, and that's enough. The last story we're going to look at today is in the book of Mark, chapter 1. You guys will remember the stories of Jesus going town to town and preaching, performing miracles, casting out demons and healing the sick, healing the afflicted. You'll remember the leper kneeling in front of Jesus and saying, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus replied, I am willing to be cleansed. Afterwards, Jesus strictly warned the man, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things that Moses commanded as testimony to them. That the man told everyone. By doing this, it made it difficult for Jesus to enter the cities. He was mostly in outside and deserted places, but people came from all directions to see him. In chapter 2, Jesus went back to Capernaum. Word spread immediately, so many people came, So many people came that there was no room to receive any others. You couldn't even get near the doors. And Jesus preached. Mark 2, 3 through 5. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through the roof, they let down the bed on which the man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. We skip down to verses 11 and 12. And Jesus said, I say to you, arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, he arose and went back home. Now I want to talk about the paralytic's friends. They didn't just carry him, no telling how far, in the hopes that Jesus would heal their friend. They arrived and they found that it was going to be next to impossible not just to see Jesus, much less to get their friend in front of him for healing. Imagine the scenario. There's so many people listening to Jesus preach as he's performing miracles. I bet there wasn't a square inch of real estate between folks. I'm quite certain I wouldn't have given up my spot to be near Jesus. But the paralytic's friends didn't quit. One of them says, how about this? We'll drag him up on the roof. We'll tear a hole in the roof. And we'll lower him down right in front of Jesus. I have to believe at least one of those men said, what? And probably at least one of them said, we ain't got no rope. But the best part is, is somebody said, I'll find some. In our most difficult situations, And in our most trying times, true friends, real friends, show up and show out. I was thinking to myself about the story and how awesome it was for the afflicted man to have four friends like these four men. But the overwhelming message that I received from the scripture is how much I want to be like the four How I want to be the man that stops at nothing to get my friends in front of Jesus. That is true friendship. As I was studying that story in the book of Mark, I couldn't help but think about our pastor here at Millwood Church. I thought about the sacrifices that he makes every single week to plant seeds for our spiritual growth. The sacrifices that he makes in his personal life and with his personal relationships to be the pastor of this church. I'm certain that at times it can be a very lonely lifestyle. I'm certain that he's been separated from friendships because of the calling that he has. He's not the man that says, you lie and I'll swear to it. I love him and I respect him for his resolve and his commitment to this church. And I want to refer you to Galatians 6, 1 through 6. In this passage, Paul focuses on how those in Christ should treat one another, how we are to restore those caught in sin with gentleness and humility, and that we are to carry one another's burdens. But interestingly, when we reach verse 6, it reads, let him who is taught the word, Share all good things with those who teaches it. I think it's easy to interpret that passage as maybe the pastor's salary, but the scripture clearly states all good things. I have to believe that this includes companionship, this includes friendship, and moreover, this includes time. As you leave here today, I want you to remember these things. God has planned friendships for each of us to help us accomplish his will. Moses didn't know it, but Aaron was on the way. God already knew that. True friends show up and place themselves in the middle of others' challenges. Ruth was ride or die. Real friends will stop at nothing to get others in front of Jesus. Be the guy that says, I'll find some rope. Not the guy who says we don't have any. Lastly this, Proverbs 18 and 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. John 15 and 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That man is Jesus. God in the flesh. And as I generally end my messages, I say if you don't know Jesus, get to know him. And if you do, just talk to him. Let me pray for you all. Father, we're thankful to you for our time together in your house today. I pray that my words were pleasing to you. I pray that someone in this congregation today was blessed by your word. Lord, I ask that you be with your people in the week ahead, that you give them the courage and the strength to share you with others. Now, Lord, go before your people, prosper them in every way, We ask these things in Christ's name and all God's people said.